managing outliers in the investment industry, what are the best practices? Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the CFA Institute Take 15 series. I'm Heather Packard, Manager of Product Development at CFA Institute, and I'm joined today by Keith Robinson. Keith is the Managing Director of Focus Consulting Group and has over 25 years of experience in human resources. His specialty areas are management and leadership development, organizational design and performance, and business strategy. Keith, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here, Heather. Your latest white paper, The Red X, describes some strategy for managing outliers in the investment industry. Can you help give our viewers some context by explaining what this concept of the Red X is all about? Absolutely. The Red X is something that we've discovered as we were doing some research on culture and exactly what happens when you have a very strong culture and someone who winds up playing outside the culture. So let's stop for a minute and talk a little bit about what we mean by culture. And what we mean by culture is it's the values, beliefs, and behaviors that actually differentiate one organization from another. So imagine, if you will, a Venn diagram where you've got three strong values in an organization, say integrity, teamwork, and high performance. Well, typically what you'll find in most cultures is that many of the people will rally around those three values. We call that cohesion. So the higher level of cohesion you have, the stronger the culture is. Red X's are those individuals who in the organization tend to either fall outside of one of those circles, maybe both two of the circles, or maybe the entire set of values. And so the Red X oftentimes is extraordinarily talented. They generate a lot of alpha, they make a lot of sales, and yet they still wind up being outside the culture, so they're very abrasive sometimes and hard to deal with. So that's really what the Red X is. It, sometimes it's easier to describe one than it is to sort of describe the phenomenon. So I'll give you a quick story about one. We were called into a client who said, we have this individual we've been working with now and we're really struggling, can you help us out? So we went in and interviewed the folks that actually work for this person and they said, he's brilliant, generates a lot of alpha. Rather give him our money than Warren Buffett, for example. We said, well, that's pretty high praise. But what happened was he was hired by the organization and fired, rehired, fired again, rehired a third time, and then they called us. So that was an interesting assignment. We put on our capes and off we went. We sat down and we talked with this individual and he had a philosophy that I will never, ever forget. He said, life is a series of conversations and in every conversation there's a winner and a loser and I will never be the loser. That perfectly describes the type of, a, of an individual that represents the Red X. Do you think Red Xs are unique to the investment industry, sort of just the cost of doing business in our industry, or are there elements about our industry that make the issues we experience uh, different from other industries? That's a, that's a great question. And of course, our experience is in the asset management hedge fund industry, so that's really where we focus our, our time and attention. And I would say the Red Xs are clearly a part of our industry. As a matter of fact, they're a very big part of our industry because investments, as you know, is both creative as well as mathematically oriented and numbers oriented. So Red Xs are drawn into this type of higher level thinking. You could also say, though, that Red Xs would probably show up, say, in the medical profession. If you're familiar with the TV show House, House would be considered a Red X. Brilliant doctor, but lives outside the culture of that particular hospital, for example. Other higher level organizations like a learning institution. I used to teach at a university and universities are filled with Red X's, PhD professors. But the genius of the Red X is what gives the Red X the appeal. Why would I hire, fire, and rehire somebody? Well, because they can generate alpha, because they're extraordinarily high functioning when it comes to 
getting that creative tension in organization that differentiates them in the marketplace. So our industry in particular requires a lot of big brains. And so with that big brain, oftentimes comes some of these other attributes that, if you believe in teamwork, sometimes they don't fit so well. So it certainly is one of the industries where I would say you have a higher preponderance of red X's because of the creative nature of the industry that we're in. And in your white paper, you talked a little about uh, the contrarian um, and the need for investment advisors to be contrarians, and that contributes, of course, to this red X phenomenon. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing that we look at is beating the markets is an extraordinarily difficult job. So one, you have to have a pretty thick skin. And two, you really need to be able to see around corners. So contrarian thinkers are the ones that can actually take a problem and turn it on its head and see the value and where the value is where others can't find that value. So the herd mentality doesn't necessarily work for the contrarian thinker, hence the red X, because they will tend to subdue all the other values in the organization and look, for example, for something like high performance. That's not to, to say that they don't have integrity. Many red X's we know are extraordinarily integrous. And so that also can create a little bit of tension because they bring that as well to their process. And we love them for that. But it also makes it a challenge if teamwork is a, is a value, for example, that the organization wants to embrace. Can you or should you avoid hiring a red X? Quite the contrary. We like to think of it a little bit differently than that. Oftentimes, red X's become a function of the organization as the organization grows and changes. So they started out just fine because they were part of maybe the original triumvirate that started the organization. Three smart people with a Bloomberg in a garage somewhere with great ideas. Then the organization has grown and grown and grown, and yet they haven't been able to adapt culturally to the organization. So that's one of the phenomenon is the organization has, in a sense, outgrown them. But the other thing is, oftentimes, they're very attractive to firms because, again, they can generate alpha and they can do the things that you really want them to do from a performance perspective. So we would say you don't want to avoid hiring a red X. What you really want to do is find that contrarian that fits best within your culture, which means have your culture well-defined, have your values well-defined. And then when you're exploring that high performer, really explore whether or not they're a benign red X, someone who can come in and do a wonderful job and help provide energy into the organization, or will they be a malignant red X, which can actually destroy your firm. Mm -hmm. And in your white paper also, you talked a little bit about um, hiring in terms of creativity and assessing for those types of skills. Um, is that a, a strategy that you think works in terms of, of hiring? Absolutely. And in our experience, a lot of firms will look at creativity, and they generally look at creativity as a function of investment performance. So how did you generate the alpha? What did you see? How did you get there? And oftentimes, the biggest struggle organizations have is when they have a red X, is making the leap of do we do something with that person and keep them or do we let them go? And that is sometimes the biggest conundrum that leaders face. Quick story about that. We were giving a presentation to a group of investment leaders. We talked about the Red X and we said, so what do you do about the Red X? And one leader stood up very vehemently and said, you ride that horse as long and as hard as you can. And what was fascinating is moments later, after the laughter stopped, two other CEOs got up and said, if you do that, you'll ruin the firm. And therein lies the conundrum of the Red X. Do we keep them? Do we not keep them? And usually our acid test on the Red X is, are they in fact causing talent to leave your organization? Because if they are, then they're a malignant Red X and you really need to make sure that you're taking swift and decisive action. 
And and you've given some information about this, but what, what do you, you consider to be the best or most practical way to deal with the Red X when, when you have one? Well, it's really fascinating when we talk to firms about how they deal with the Red X. So as we present all over the world, we talk about Red X phenomenon, and everybody seems to relate to it pretty well, no surprise there. And we ask them, so how does your firm typically deal with the Red X? And we have what we call our five Fs. Well, you can forget about them, you can fret about them, you can firewall them, you can fix them or you can fire them. And so the first three, forget about them, fret about them, you know, those in particular are ones that most organizations, as a matter of fact, 81% of those who've responded to us all around the world, and we polled them, said, we either fret about them, we forget about them, or we firewall them. And so fretting and forgetting usually doesn't work because they're a red X, and so they're, they're just naturally like sandpaper in the organization. Firewalling does work from time to time if they're in the proper role. And so what do we mean by that? Well, sometimes you can actually take somebody who, in their genius area, the area that really gives them life and makes them talented, all that you really require of them is to, for example, put together quantitative analytics. Sometimes the last thing they want to do is be a part of the team. Well, the question there is, can they work and work well in the environment without causing people to leave? And if you can, sometimes firewalling works. And we always joke, you know, stick them in a closet and put some food under the door. Sometimes that doesn't always work, but there are times where if they're in the right environment and people around them understand their proclivities, they can usually actually make it work. Firing and, um, you know, firing them is, is another alternative. It's the one that leaders struggle with the most because that's a very decisive action. And let's face it, boards of directors struggle with, you mean you're letting go your highest alpha generator or your best salesperson? Why would you want to do that? And again, you have to look at, are we losing talent as a result of them? Because you can't sacrifice the larger organization for one individual. And so we would say that if you can't fix them, and I'll talk about that in a moment, then you really do need to let them go. You need to make that decisive action. Oftentimes what happens is it's a relief to both parties. Because they know they're not a fit, you know they're not a fit, and so when that happens, both parties go, oh, it's freeing, it's a freeing experience. Fixing the red X is a little bit more challenging. So it, what it requires is a certain level of emotional intelligence that the person recognizes that they've got some shortcomings. And they're willing maybe not to change who they are because you're not going to change their values, but they're willing to at least adapt in the organization. So things that we've seen work, for example, are giving them a 360 degree evaluation. Because what they'll find is most of these people are data hounds. So once they see the data about how others think about them, sometimes the blind spots get reduced. Not eliminated, but reduced. And typically they'll say, okay, I get it. I've got interpersonal BO, I understand. And they'll work on that. And if they're open to that sort of feedback and they're curious about the world, which most Red X's are, then sometimes you can actually coach them and help them adapt in the organization. Oftentimes, though, you've got to make sure that you've got the kind of person who's open to that sort of a feedback. And some will say, well, yes, thank you very much, but I don't care then you know you're probably not going to be able to fix them. In, in terms of fixing them, um, what sort of outcome do you typically see in, in your work with clients? Um, how often does that usually work? I think, again, it, it varies from individual to individual. It also varies around how willing is the organization to recognize that they may have Picasso sitting among them, and yet they're going to have to deal with some of the weirdness that Picasso can bring to the organization. So part of it's organizational tolerance. 
And the other part of it is how willing is the person to reach out and say, you know, I know I've got some of this and I'm trying real hard. So oftentimes what we'll say is you've got to look at do they have a willingness to change and have you set up the organizational structures such that they can change and be somewhat successful. They're probably never going to lose what makes them brilliant and what brings them to the organization helps them generate returns or generate sales, but can you create the organization around them such that you still accomplish your values and you still stick to your values, but they can work within that framework. But there are times when, frankly, it's just not going to work out. And so, do I have a number? What percentage can actually be adjusted or not? Not really, because I think it really varies by individual. And some will adjust in some organizations better than others. So they may be a red X in your shop, and they may be a red X in somebody else's shop, just not to the same degree. Maybe they've gotten some life wisdom, maybe they've learned a couple lessons, or maybe there's a value system in the other shop that fits a little bit better with their you know, their ability to be out on the edge. Thank you again for joining us today, Keith. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the CFA Institute Take 15 series. To view more episodes in this series, please visit us at cfainstitute.org. Copyright 2012 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.